Are Alabama fans' pets' heads falling off? They might be. Jimmy and I are going to tell you. You are Locked On Bama, your daily podcast on the Alabama Crimson Tide. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, everybody, and welcome back into Locked On Bama. Luke Robinson, that's me, Jimmy Stein, that's him. This episode is brought to you by LinkedIn, and thank you for making us your first listen every day, although that was impossible today because we didn't get to do this until much later in the day than we normally do, but we appreciate the effort from you guys. Jimmy, Scott Huff is leaving the University of Alabama. We talked about this. We touched on it a little bit yesterday. It wasn't official. It is now official. He's going to be with the Seattle uh, Seahawks. I was going to say Supersonics. Supersonics. That would be weird. That would be weird. But it would be so embarrassing if he left us for the Supersonics, <laughs> a franchise that doesn't exist to him. See, that's when our pets' heads would be falling off for yeah, sure. That's right. When we have coaches leaving for like, he's going to coach the New Orleans Jazz. I'm going to coach the uh, Kentucky Colonels. They were in the ABA and they don't exist. Well, I still still better than being in Tuscaloosa. The Brooklyn to... Dodgers. Uh, no, uh, he is going to uh, Seattle Seahawks. Mm-hmm. Frankly, Jimmy, that's one thing you know, you and I talked about a little bit is that, um, look, we're going to probably see more of this, uh, more college coaches heading to the pros if they can. It's it's a good gig. They don't have to recruit. Um, but I, I think the bottom line is now, what is Alabama going to do? These guys are gone. So what is Alabama going to do? Are they going to raid Missouri staff? That's a lot, what a lot of people are saying. Is that what you're saying? Uh, I think that's possible. I'm not ruling it out. I, I would just caution, you know, I'm, I'm not convinced that's going to happen. I do think that it's very possible. I think I would be kind of excited if it's Kirby Moore, uh, the offense coordinator at Missouri. There'd be reasons for me to like be like waving the flag about how great that is. But at the same time, a little bit of caution. One is, by the way, there's an $850,000 buyout. So, th- th- and that's before you pay him the $2 million a year it's going to take to hire him away. So, it would be really pricey. Uh, and again, I bring this up to where people are getting frustrated with it, but he's only coached quarterbacks two years in his whole life. Uh, so it's a little unusual for an Alabama OC QB coach to have such a little experience. But, hey, he seems to – he did a great job at Missouri last year. He's coached for DeBoer. He knows the system. This is Kellen Moore's younger brother, uh, and Kellen Moore is a great quarterback and a great NFL QB OC guy, and maybe by osmosis alone, he's, you know, or, or heredity, I should say, uh, this is the right guy. But 850000 beyond the $2 million you have to pay a year to get somebody like him. Uh, so I'm not sure, but I, I think I would go so far as to say he's either the early favorite or maybe 1B with uh, Nick Sheridan, the uh, current Alabama tight end coach. Okay. If it is Nick Sheridan. Mm-hmm who's the current tight end coach, as you mentioned. Is there reason for optimism, or does it feel like, hey, I just it was time to promote somebody, and I had to get somebody, and then there he is. I mean, a little bit like when you – this isn't fair, and I'm not taking a shot at Nick Sheridan because I don't know the answer to this. You would know better than I. But it's a little bit like you're at the bar at – it's it's 1.30 in the morning. You're not 100% sure – if the person you're trying to hook up with, and I'm trying to stay gender neutral here to not offend anybody in any way, uh, if the person you're looking at, you're like, 
probably picked the wrong know. analogy then if you're trying not to offend people as we're drunk trying to hook up at 1 30 in the morning here you're trying to find a new study partner am i at am i at galette's or chuck's fish <laughs> that's another good all right you're at the you're at the old tusk oh and it's 1 30 and you think that they might be some better looking potential hookups coming to the bar a little later but this 130 thing is a is a surefire like i know she'll accept or he'll accept or they both accept or whatever <laughs> just well i don't even know okay. what i'm talking about anymore now i'm all at the test <laughs> I'm, I'm all fascinated with the analogy as opposed to alabama football at this point do i have to hook up with nick sheridan because i don't, jimmy I'm, is i'm passing <laughs> Breaking news on Locked On Bama. Jimmy is in a heated relationship with the Sheridan. Yeah, that's that's that analogy just went wacky there. Uh, now, I think here's one thing about Nick Sheridan that's a, po- a couple of positives. Number one, he knows the system, uh, and that's great because you don't spend as much time coaching somebody up and teaching them, you know, uh, hey, that the coach has to attend the same install classes that the, that the players do. Uh, number two. Uh, he has, I believe, as much or more experience than Kirby Moore coaching quarterbacks and, uh, and and running an offense. I mean, he's not less experienced than Kirby Moore is, um, and he's here. So there's some pros, but, hey, if, if an Alabama fan uh, doesn't like it and calls it, you know, lazy or some sort of word like that, I mean, I'm going to get – I'll get the criticism – because I also think this is a very fair thing to say. Nick Sheridan does not have the typical resume of an offensive coordinator that Alabama will hire. It's not the Nick Saban era. We need to get used to that. But Nick Saban hired some OCs with some sexy, and there I go again. I don't know why we can't get away from these analogies. But uh, Nick Saban hired some sexy resumes, didn't he? Uh, Lane Kiffin, Sark, um, you know, uh, a lot of guys like that. Uh, even Brian Dable had worked with the Patriots and – um, you know, Jim McElwain had, had been a, a successful OC at Fresno and Louisville. And I mean, so th- this, this wouldn't be a sexy hire for sure. I would tell people, though, if it is Nick Sheridan, that don't panic. This is Kalen DeBoer announcing to everyone that Kalen DeBoer is going to run the Alabama offense. And by the way, he would be a great OC to hire. I wish he was out there to hire because Kalen DeBoer hiring Kalen DeBoer sounds right to me. DeBoer has had as much or more success as an OC than Ryan Grubb. So let's keep that in mind about who the head coach is. All right, a couple of things. First of all, you've already kind of sold me on Nick Sheridan because if it means Kalen DeBoer is going to be that much more involved, which a a lot of people already believed he was going to be pretty involved with Ryan Grubb regardless. Correct. So um, then, then that makes me feel better. Uh, I also had the thought, you know what? Nick Saban sort of had a thing for hiring coaches that maybe were uh, had some kind of sordid past of whatever description. I mean, you know, Lane Kiffin, Steve Sarkeesian, you talk about Jim McElwain with his shark fetish, uh, all those things, <laughs> all those things. So maybe, maybe we just need to wait a couple of days and see if somebody gets in trouble. <laughs> that was a Saban thing. I don't know that it'll be a DeBoer thing. And uh, by the way, Coach Mack is a name I've used on BOL a few times just in the sense, hey, this is just me talking. It's not in, from inside the program. I, I would be a fan if they hired Jim McElwain. And they've already hired two sitting group of five coaches, so it's not crazy to think that they might hire a group of five sitting coach. They know each other. I do know that's true. Jim McElwain's son works for Alabama. 
Uh, Jim has been here in the past and love, love being in Tuscaloosa. Um, you know, and, and it's not his offense for all the people like, oh, that, that offense just wasn't, we just ran the ball a lot. It would be Kalen DeBoer's offense. Jim McElwain did what Nick Saban wanted him to do in 2009, 2010, and 2011. Uh, if McElwain was hired by DeBoer, he would do what DeBoer wants to do in 2024, which means run the Kalen DeBoer offense, the same offense that we saw last year at Washington. So I wouldn't worry at all about the style of play if Coach Matt came. It's going to be DeBoer's style of play no matter who the OC is. Yeah, I, you know, and we hadn't even really talked about uh, offensive line coach. I'm going to tell you, honestly, Jimmy, it's not like there are a lot of people out there who have a – a hot list of offensive line coaches, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I mean, somebody would ask me, I, I wouldn't even know where to start because I mean, and that's one thing about that, that we do, we do this, me and Luke do this. Y'all do this that are listening. Whenever we're like, Oh, we need a new offensive line coach. And we think of who that might be. We only think of the guys we know, yeah. you know, what are the names we know? Um, we have to understand that Kalen DeBoer knows not only different coaches, a whole heck of a lot more. His whole life is knowing coaches. His Rolodex, and that's a term from uh, the last century for everyone that's young listening, uh, his Rolodex is massive. Me, me and Luke, you know, or, or I should say contact list. His contact list is enormous. Uh, mine and Luke's offensive line coach contact list would be like three people. So uh, I don't know, but I, I do think this. Because DeBoer has extensive experience as an OC QB guy himself, the offensive line hire to me is bigger. It's a bigger and more yeah. important because DeBoer's got nothing to do with that. His offensive line guy is going to show up and, and, and be an offensive line coach, and DeBoer's going to evaluate him on whether his offensive line's good or not, but he's not going to sit there and micromanage because off, offensive line's not his thing. Uh, DeBoer is going to, in, to, in some instance or another, be the OC QB coach, no matter who he hires, because it's his offense and, and he's an expert in that area. It's like Nick Saban on, on defense. I don't know what Alabama fans out there think that our defensive coordinators just did whatever the heck they wanted. Uh, Nick Saban was always heavily involved in what goes on on that side of the ball, whether the coordinator was Kirby or Jeremy or Pete or Tosh or Kevin Steele, Nick was heavily involved because that's his expertise and that's what he likes doing. Uh, it'll be just the opposite now with Kalen on the other side of the ball. All right, Jimmy. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about the way too early top 25 that you guys over at on three did. But, you know, if you're looking for an offensive line coach or even an offensive coordinator, one place you could go is LinkedIn. When you're hiring for your small business or even your big business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has tools to help you find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. It gives you access to professionals you can't find anywhere else. LinkedIn does all that while making the process easy and intuitive. Hiring is easy when you have that many quality candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. LinkedIn knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats, they might not have the time or the resources to hire. You need to post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions. Yep. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They're going to apply. 
And I forgot the overlay, but that's okay. Um, I think Zach told me to quit putting the overlay in later because it's confusing, so I'm not going to do it. LinkedIn, go check them out. LinkedIn jobs, that is. Okay, so Jimmy, way too early, too early top 25 from on three. Yep. Have you seen it? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, I saw it. Okay. Uh, I haven't memorized it. I don't have it in front of me, but I think Alabama was fifth. They were. That's what I was going to ask you. Where do you think they put Alabama? And they did put them at five. And I'm down with that. I understand the ones ahead of them are Georgia at one, Ohio State at two, Oregon at three, Texas at four, uh, then Ole Miss at six, Notre Dame at seven, Michigan at eight, Penn State at nine, Missouri at 10, and LSU and Utah round out the top 12. Now, looking very quickly, um, I guess the power five team, or excuse me, the non-power five team that they think would make it uh, would be SMU. Uh, they have them coming in at 25. Here's a, a curveball, and uh, here's a curveball, though. SMU, yeah. and some people listening know this and some won't because oh. it, it still is so shocking. SMU is in the ACC. In the ACC. I just remembered that. I just remembered that. Yeah, so, isn't that crazy? Because it's well, so dumb. It and by dumb, dumb, I mean it's just sort of shocking. I just that, remembered that. It's so dumb, and I wish I didn't remember it. I wish I didn't even know it because that's just dumb. And Cal and Stanford being the ACC is dumb. That's a whole nother argument. But this top 25, let me tell you, I'm, I'm so – I love these top 25s. I love all this hypothetical stuff. There's some people who don't like all this offseason stuff. I love it. I think it's a lot of fun. I'm going to tell you something, Jimmy. I would put Ohio State at number one, and before everybody kills me and says, hey, Ron Day hadn't done it, I get it. And and Georgia has done it. I get it. But Ryan Day, he does – first of all, he plays in the Big Ten. It's going to be an easier schedule. Their schedule is not that bad this year. It just isn't. They do have to go to Oregon, I think. Okay, that's going to be tough. That's tough. But, I mean, I think that their schedule is easier than Georgia's. Georgia's got to go to Bama, to Texas. Uh, they got to play Florida. Uh, they got to go to Ole Miss. I mean, there's – I just named three teams – that are in the top six, Georgia has to travel to. And they can't yeah. go to four of the six because they're one of the six. Georgia definitely making up for that weak water schedule they had in 2023. It's a little tough on Georgia this fall. And uh, it's I think it's a tough schedule for virtually everyone in the Big Ten and the SEC. Some will have it harder than others. But to me, there isn't a Big Ten or SEC schedule that's easy. Uh, I, I think they're all really difficult. Uh, but one thing about Ohio State, I think I might would put Ohio State number one, Luke. Let's see if you agree with this premise, if you can follow me here. I think Ohio State has the best team this fall, one through 22. Yeah. In other words, they're starters. Georgia still has the best roster, one through 85. I think that's yeah. Georgia. Uh, Texas would certainly be in the argument for one through 22 and one through 85. Uh, I'm not so sure about this obsession with Oregon that people seem to have. I noticed that FanDuel – uh, you know, and we'll talk about that in the last segment, but FanDuel has Oregon's one loss total higher than Alabama's. Um, that could be a product of the schedule, could be just ultimate respect for Dylan Gabriel. Um, I don't know, but I, I, I like Alabama at five. I can tell you this one of the things that I'm enjoying about the DeBoer era in its infancy, Luke, is the channel has changed, and by that, you know. For a while, Alabama was really stuck on the same channel. And by that, I mean every year in these preseason polls, we were one or we were two. And the one loss total was 10.5 or 11.5. It was insanely high, and we were one or two, and it was year after year after year. 
I'm not saying that being five is better. In fact, it's not as good because what that means is this is the rest of the country going, you know what, Alabama's not what they used to be. And, and I get that. And they're probably or even largely correct. But it is interesting. The channel has changed. It is now a different look. We're coming from behind a little bit. And we've even got Ole Miss on our heels. And we've got folks talking, Luke. It used to be, hey, is Alabama the best or second best team in the SEC? Now we'll have people talking, well, Georgia's definitely ahead of Alabama. Texas is ahead of Alabama. Is Ole Miss better than Alabama? Is Missouri better than Alabama? And see, I love this talk because I, think I, it's I good don't for think any of that's It is good for DeBoer. I, I don't think any of it's going to prove correct, frankly. I think I'm loving this because I'm feeling that Alabama is underestimated, which is the ultimate channel change here, right? Instead of Alabama being so respected it's next to impossible to live up to the expectation. Now you've got Alabama like, hey, you know what? We're probably a little better than people think. Well, <laughs> well if, if you're DeBoer, you're, okay, here's the thing. If you had this team and Nick Saban coaching it, there's no doubt in my mind, own three has Bama probably at number three. I mean, you're probably not putting them ahead of Georgia and Ohio State, which I get. But you're putting them ahead of Oregon if Nick Saban's coaching, just out of respect to Nick Saban. That would probably be too high. You have yeah. Kalen DeBoer, you have all these unknowns, you're putting Alabama at five, which would be just out of the old playoff system. You probably got them too low. The real number is probably Alabama is the fourth best team in the country. That's probably <laughs> the truth. Well, Alabama did make the top four uh, a year ago. Seems to be forgotten. I, I mean, I sometimes I feel like, and it's my fault, sometimes I feel like I'm living on one planet and everybody else is living on another, but it, it, it didn't Alabama make the top four last year, so you're one of the best four teams, and then you played the eventual national champion to overtime. You know, they don't beat us in 60 minutes. Then they go on and play in the national championship game where they soundly beat their next opponent. It just seems to be completely obviously that Alabama was the second best team in the four-team playoff. But then you read comments about last season, and it's we ended up ranked fifth. I mean, someone explained that to me like I'm five. Or, or like I'm not a five-year-old, but a particularly dumb five-year-old because I, I, I don't I don't get any of that. We were the second best team, and we proved that, that by being invited to the top four by the experts and then proving while we were there that we deserved it because we played the national champion to overtime in 60 minutes. No, uh, that's a good. But point. anyway, it, it's just I'd get so frustrated talking about because I felt the same way about the year before when we were again underestimated by everyone, including our own fans. Uh, and, and now I feel like now they're really underestimating us. And uh, I, I'm, I would say I'm enjoying it, but it also frustrates me when, when we actually achieve something and aren't given the credit for that achievement. No, I hear you. I, I do get that. Um, by the way, uh, before we go to break, Alabama is going to wear retro uniforms this Saturday against Texas A&M that are fire. So I'm going to yeah. love that. How old are we, though, when our retro uniforms are now? We're, we're wearing retro uniforms, uniforms of when me and you watched Alabama play you as adult, as yeah. adults. I think I was an adult when Antoine Pet. This is the Petway team, right? That Yeah, that's true. Florida. I was an adult, too. I what am I, I talking a, about? I was in school. I wasn't even close to being in school. I was way out of school. Yeah, it was um, 2004, 2005 in that range. Retro. God, that's <laughs> – so is it just me? When somebody says retro, I immediately think 1970s. That's just me, right? Whenever I turn on a classic rock station and they're playing a song that I know every word of from my youth, I, I feel like 
God, this is like when I was a kid and, and a Beatles song would come on the radio and my, my parents would get so excited. And I'm like, how old are y'all? <laughs> All right, uh, Jimmy, when we come back, we're going to talk about the win totals, which should pretty much mirror this top uh, top 25 way too early season poll, but it may not. But of course, I'm going to talk about FanDuel. FanDuel is America's number one sports books. Get buckets with your first bet on FanDuel. America's number one sports book, as I just said, because right now new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. That's $150 if your bet wins. Bet on all your favorite NBA players and teams with quick bets, live same-game parlays, exclusive props, and much, much more. Just visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and shoot your shot, guy. FanDuel is official partner of the NBA and of the NFL, which just wrapped up its season yesterday. Yeah, the Super Bowl was was pretty fun, but uh, it needed to end it sooner. I was like barely hanging on watching that thing towards the end. Can't it's stay up late. late. It was um, late. The game took for, uh, and the game was slow. The game took for. I'm sure it's the commercials and the halftime show and and everything else. And uh, gosh, uh, it went on and on. But it was. Uh, I wanted a close game, and that's what we got. Two two excellent coaches, by the way. I don't think we talk about that enough. But Andy Reid versus Kyle Shanahan. Out outstanding coaches, sort of the state of the art. So on three also released this way too early win projections. For well, I think they were from FanDuel, actually. Our, a oh, friend FanDuel, the, sorry. FanDuel. Friend of the show, FanDuel, on three just put them out saying, hey, this is FanDuel, and, and put it in a way, an easily digestible thing for readers. But the numbers themselves were set by our good friends at FanDuel. That's right. My bad. So they have Georgia and Texas – uh, minus 10 and a half wins or over under 10 and a half wins. And look, again, I get it. I They have Alabama at uh, and LSU at nine and a half. This is only SEC teams, by the way. And Missouri at nine and a half. And Ole Miss at nine and a half. Okay. That doesn't seem – that <laughs> I, I think you got to go LSU under Alabama over Texas – under Georgia, under? Do you? I know this. No, no way all six are going over. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean that ain't gonna happen. I don't even think mathematically. Much overlap, but Missouri yeah, I don't think definitely. Like Georgia and Texas are both ten and a half, yet they play each other. So that that not one of them's at eleven. Period. You're you're basically saying whoever loses Georgia Texas is going to run the table. If you're, right. if you're saying both Georgia and Texas should be over. Well, Missouri, I mean. Their nine and a half total is rather shocking to me. Now honestly. they have some schedule advantages. I think we've talked about it before. We're going to be talking about the schedule more and more as we advance toward the season. But Missouri does have a manageable schedule, and well, I they, think that's but, going to help them out. But they they go to Alabama. That's a that's that's a tough. No they, doubt they they welcome in Oklahoma. Okay, I I think they can beat Oklahoma. Sure, they they go to Texas A and M. They do have Vanderbilt at home to kind of kick off the SEC season. They got Auburn at home, uh, which isn't going to be easy. They're at South Kakalaki. Yeah, that's losable, I think, losable. But I'm also not convinced South Carolina's going to be very good. I mean, their first four games are all at home. And then they, they go to a and I think I mentioned that. 
Look, do I think Missouri – I look at their schedule and go, I wish Alabama had their schedule, I'll tell you that. I'll go under for Missouri, by the way, but I also think yeah. under for Missouri. I think Missouri's most likely result is 9-3. and three. That's what I, that's what I would project for Missouri today, 9-3, and three, which, which means that's the under, but it's also yeah. a really good season. I mean, that's pretty good, you know, these days. And I'm going to tell you, too, and they do avoid Georgia. They avoid LSU. They have, and you know, Texas. But I mean, uh, yeah, yeah, they avoid Georgia and Texas. They, yeah. they play Oklahoma at home. Now, here's the thing with LSU that's interesting. I think LSU under, but mostly because I don't think they're going to beat USC and UCLA. I think they'll beat certainly one of them. Obviously, the odds on would, would be on beating UCLA. I don't think they'll beat both of them. And they're at South Carolina. They they do play Ole Miss. They play them in Baton Rouge. They do play Alabama. They play them in Baton Rouge. But they're at Florida. They also have Oklahoma in Baton Rouge. I I mean, I think you got to think they lose two of those three, right? They, can, they lose Jaden Daniels. I mean, I it's a big a, deal to lose him. I can make a strong case for LSU being a six and six type team. I really yeah. can't. I mean, when you factor I just in. just thought nine and a half was high for them. Their defense was horrific last year. I mean, horrific. And uh, and the only reason that they were a good team, and they were good, they finished, I think, 13th or something, 15th, 13th, somewhere like that. So that's a good team. But the only reason they did is because their quarterback was otherworldly, and he's gone. So on that alone, you would think, well, they're 6-6. Six and six, But uh, whoa, 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 before people start running to the betting window at FanDuel, LSU's got dudes, and they're going to be better coached. They, they got Garrett Nussmeyer – Garrett Nussmeyer's looked good to me when he has had the chance to play quarterback. To me, he's looked really good. And don't think for one second that LSU is going to be short on dudes. So uh, to, to me, it's almost like, yeah, I can make the case that LSU six and six, but I, I'm not going to believe it. I mean, I think they're going to be too good for that. And uh, I won't be surprised they beat USC and UCLA both. But but I say that because UCLA is so UCLA they're, is they're, they're a rudderless they're, ship right now. They're but, floundering. But look at. Then he, and I, I know some people be like, how do you have under for Texas and Georgia? Well, first of all, they play each other and they play each other at Texas. And also Georgia plays at Alabama. George, again, Georgia's got a tough schedule. So, you know, they also, Georgia also opens with Clemson. That's no give to me by any right. stretch. Um, and they're at Ole Miss. I mentioned that earlier. And they have to play Tennessee and Auburn. That That's going to be very, and they're at Kentucky. Georgia, I mean, that's, Georgia could Georgia's lose schedule. at Texas. Yeah. Georgia could lose. I mean, Georgia could beat Texas, so that's a loss for Texas. And then Alabama beats Georgia, and there's your loss for Georgia. That puts both of them at 11. So that means they have to win all the rest of the games to, to, to be over. So I, I can see under for both. And look but at Texas. Look at I, Texas. I, I'm going to say 11-1 and one for Georgia, and uh, I think 10-2 and two for Texas seems right to me. Texas is at Michigan. Now, maybe that game's a lot easier now that Michigan lost a lot of people and lost their coach. But it is easier. I mean, it's not – maybe it is, it is. But they also have to play Oklahoma. They couldn't beat Oklahoma last year. They made the playoffs and didn't beat Oklahoma last year. They have Georgia at home. They have Florida at home. Okay, yep, I think they'll win that game. But they have Kentucky at home. I think they'll win that game. At A&M to end the season, it's not going to be easy. At Arkansas, I don't think it's going to be super easy. I, I think they should win it. But when you factor in, you're also playing at Michigan – I sort of want to go the under on Texas too. And it sounds so homerific to be like, oh yeah, take Alabama over and everybody else under. That's I mean, that sounds terrible, but I'm giving some justification. And 
I, I do want to look at some of these others really quickly at Missouri at nine, Ole Miss at nine and a half. Boy, I'm tempted to go to say over on Ole Miss. In fact, I will say over on Ole Miss. Tennessee at eight and a half. That one's intriguing. That is intriguing. Uh, a lot of it depends on, hey, is Nico Amaliva even going to be eligible this fall with the investigation that's going on? Yeah. I mean, if he's not eligible this fall, their season looks radically different, right? Uh, as far as Alabama's number nine and a half, this is why I'd stay away from it right now. I think Alabama's most likely outcome is 10 and two, uh, which yeah. means take the over. I think that's the most likely outcome. But I think the second most likely outcome isn't 11 and one. It's nine and three based on the coaching change, based on all the newness, based on, on Downs, Proctor, Bond, and, and Nyblack leaving. Uh, I think nine and three is more likely than 11 and one. Although, like I said, I'm settling on 10 and two, but for that reason, nine and a half kind of scares me, right? Because the second most likely outcome is nine and three. I would say the third most likely outcome is 11 and one, because I think yeah. eight and four would, would be truly shocking. Uh, 11 and one wouldn't be shocking. It'd be a little surprising, but uh, eight and four or worse, uh, boy, it's going to be a rough, a rough fall on locked on Bama. If, oh God. Uh, eight oh. and four or worse. Oh, it'll be great for us. We'll get a ton of views. People will want to hear us cry. Well, except, except they'll blame us. It'll be our fault. Oh, know? it'll be our fault. Well, I mean, <laughs> look, you can blame us for a lot of things, not Alabama's eventual downfall. So one thing Chris Stewart says all the time. Of course, it doesn't. Everything is going well for Alabama basketball right now. But Chris Stewart always says, hey, "When things don't go well for whatever reason, uh, I find when I walk the streets, I hear that it's my fault." Yeah, that is true. Um, okay, well, that's going to do it for today's podcast. We'll be back tomorrow with more. Until then, roll tide, everybody. Roll tide.